Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good day, everybody. Thanks for joining us online today. It's a real honour uh, to be in Newcastle today bringing this message to you. And uh, I pray today's word is a blessing to you. Uh, I'm going to share something today that uh, has really been on my heart now for about two weeks. And my prayer is that it kind of speaks to the climate of the world right now and a little bit of what we see going on around us in the media and certainly all of the issues that are happening right now in our world. And um, I felt at the start of last week to study uh, the account of the transfiguration um, that's in three of the synoptic gospels, if you know your Bible well. Um, The transfiguration is actually a fascinating uh, passage in scripture to study. It's actually a really interesting account, but actually, if you like your your Bible knowledge, um, it's actually one of the five milestones of Jesus' ministry from his baptism to his crucifixion. So just an interesting point, but it is described in three of the gospels. And in fact, Mark's gospel in the book of Mark, where we're going to be reading in a moment, helps us to understand the transfiguration is right at the middle juncture point of Jesus' ministry. So it's a very significant milestone in Jesus' life. And I really believe there's some really interesting things in there for us as we look at it today, and uh, particularly as it relates to what's going on around us. So if you're at home and uh, you've got an actual Bible and you're not actually looking at screens 24 hours a day and you have a physical Bible on you, turn with me to Mark chapter 9, verses 2, and that's where we're going to be or wherever you're reading the Word of God. And we're going to read from Mark 9, um, starting verse 2, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. It says, six days later... Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Some versions say transfigured. And as his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Watch Peter's response here because I'm going to come back to this in a little while. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be in this place. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for your brother Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Last verse, suddenly when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone and saw only Jesus with them. Now, this is a fascinating account, and there's so much in this passage that we could be here all day. And those of you that know the Bible and know perhaps a little bit about the story of the Old Testament won't fail to see the parallels in this passage between Jesus ascending the mountain to be transfigured and, of course, Moses ascending Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus to receive the law. There are so many parallels between the two accounts. Here's just a few parallels. On both occasions, the glory of God was made manifest on the mountain. Both occasions involve a cloud covering. Both occasions involve a voice, the voice of heaven speaking from the cloud. In fact, even the passage, the fact that it says that it was six days later that Jesus took the disciples up there is significant because it was six days on the mountain that Moses was there when he received the law. There's so many parallels there, but rather this time, rather than receiving the law of God on stone tablets, And the glory of God to be seen on Moses' face that would fade. This time, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is there in all his glory, a glory that will never fade. Rather than the law being revealed, the grace of God in Christ Jesus is now being revealed right in front of 
the disciples, or three of them anyway. Now, if you like Bible symbolism, which I do, and um, like seeing some interesting things from the Word, I just wanted to point out something to you that you might find interesting. The text says that Jesus only took Peter, James, and John with him. Now, we know that Peter, James, and John were three of his closest disciples. He took them places that he didn't take others. But there's actually something quite significant about those three names. I just want you to see that's interesting. So he takes up Peter, James, and John with him to this pivotal moment in his ministry. Now, just to give you some background, the name Peter means rock. You know, Kephas in, in, in the original meaning means rock. And we know that the, that, the, that the law was written on stone. It was written on rock. It was written on tablets of stone. The name James, Yaakov, means he who supplants or he who replaces. And then we have John, which means gracious God. Why do I tell you that? Well, there's actually something significant because when you put all those names together, it means the rock supplanted by the grace of God. And so now there's a message in that, that as Jesus is transfigured, the law has now been replaced by the grace of God. Just an interesting thought I thought was good to bring to you. But anyway, as I observed um, this scripture and studied and asked God to speak to me, there's a few things that I want to speak to today that I think are quite relevant as it relates to our world right now and what's going on around us. Uh, I haven't been on this planet that long, 41 young years, but I honestly... It feels like we're going through things in the world right now that I've never seen before or, or never experienced before. And so I feel like there's some things in this passage that are relevant for the time. And the first thought I want you to consider from this passage is that it's from the mountaintop of prayer that we get revelation and heavenly perspective. That's really important because throughout, throughout Scripture, when you read the Bible, mountains are always associated with revelation. Whenever you read the Bible and you read mountain, you need to underline and have a look at what happens on the mountain. Because verse 2 says that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the mountain to be alone. And it's always a good thing to be alone. But when you read Luke's account, it says he specifically took them up the mountain to pray. And this is important because it is actually from the mountaintop of prayer that we get revelation and heavenly perspective to understand what is actually going on in the valley below. And I don't know about you, but if there's ever been a time to ascend the mountain to pray, it's now. Just like in the natural, when you ascend a physical mountain in the natural and you get, um, um, it transforms the way you see the world below you, so spiritually, when you ascend in prayer, you get a better picture, a better understanding of what's going on around you. We all need to get revelation right now. We need to actually get a, a sense of what's actually going on around us. Now, I want you to notice, come back to the passage for a moment. I want you to notice what the disciples observe when they're on the mountain, because what they see is significant says this, as the man watched, Jesus' appearance was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. I'd love to teach on that word transfiguration, but that's for another day. But it was on the mountain right here, somewhere in northern Israel, that the glory of God was revealed. This is the same Jesus they were down in the valley with. This is the same Jesus that they were doing life with. The same Jesus who was the carpenter's son. But now they see Jesus for who he truly is. That's significant. The, the unblemished, radiant son of God. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says that the son radiates God's own glory. I love that. And expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And right now, Peter, James, and John are having an encounter with who Jesus really is. And the reason I tell you this, and the reason this is significant is because our world needs an encounter right now with Jesus Christ. But not just Jesus, the carpenter's son. 
Not just Jesus, the good man. Not just Jesus, the moral teacher. Our world needs an encounter with who Jesus really is. The son of God. The God in all his glory. Because if, God, if Jesus is not the son of God, he has no power to change anybody's life. And that's why this is so significant to me when I read this. Now, here are these three disciples in the midst of a divine encounter with Jesus alongside Moses and Elijah, which is significant. And perhaps you're wondering why, why Moses and why Elijah? Well, it's significant because Moses in this passage represents the law of God. The, the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, it represents all of the law from the Old Testament. And Elijah represents the prophets, all of the judgments of God, all of the messaging of God. And here they are together having this, you can call it a hangout together, symbolizing that all of the law and all of the prophets all point to the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. In fact, if you're even new with the Bible and you're not even sure about how the whole Bible makes sense, the whole thing from Genesis to the Gospels is about one name, Jesus. The whole thing is about revealing Jesus Christ. In fact, it's, it's when you get a revelation of Jesus, you look back at the Old Testament and you can understand. And so here they all together having a, having a chat and talking. Now, Here's what you have to understand. So they're there. And look, we don't even know how they even knew that it was Moses and Elijah. We have no clue as to how they even knew that. That's a story for another time. But Luke's account specifically mentions that they're talking about the plan of God. Jesus is having this conversation. And Luke's account says they were talking about what Jesus would fulfill in Jerusalem. In other words, the disciples have like a, a divine vantage point to the entire plan for humanity on the mountaintop. And I want to say this to you today, if you're watching, the plan that God has for this world is Jesus. If you're wondering what God's plan is for the earth, it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. He is the solution to every injustice we see, every problem we see, everything that's wrong about this world. The solution is Jesus and the gospel. And when we ascend up the mountain, when we get a little bit higher and we take that time to spend time with God, we're reminded of that truth that Jesus is in control and he's the answer. Now, if you just indulge me just for a moment, I've always been intrigued by Peter as a character. Like Peter's an interesting dude if you study the Bible. He's always got something to say. Sound a lot like my 10-year-old daughter right now. But anyway, most of what Peter had to say wasn't that smart or helpful in the Gospels. But I want you to watch what Peter's response is to this moment. Bearing in mind, this is a pivotal moment. He's like, let's just build three tents. That's my, my version of it. Or three shelters. One for you, Jesus, and one for Moses, and one for your buddy, Elijah. And... The significance of why he said that is for another day. But here's Peter, don't miss this, giving Jesus advice. Giving God, the God of all heaven, advice on what to do. He's deciding to give advice. Now, if there was ever a time to be silent in the presence of God, it's now. Have you ever been in circumstances and situations where you just know this is not a time to talk? This is just a time to be silent and observe? This is it. And there's a proverbial saying that I love. It goes something like this. It's like, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I think that's Pete in this moment. And so Peter is talking, but God is talking at the same time. I like to picture that God is like doing this to Pete. Shh, like a shush moment. Watch what God says in this moment. He says, God the Father, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. And I got thinking about that today and I thought, you know what? Maybe we need to stop telling God what should happen on the earth and start listening to what he has to say. Maybe if we stopped talking and started listening, we might, we might hear the heart of the Father for our lives and for 
the earth. In fact, all of us right now, particularly with all the conversations that are going on in the world around us, all of us would do a lot better right now if we actually just listened more and spoke a little bit less. Here's the thing for me, you know, with some of the issues that are in our world, there are a lot of voices in the world right now. (laughs) So many voices, so much noise, so many opinions, so many people having so many things to say, some good and some not so good. And for me, just for me anyway, I found it hard sometimes to cut through the confusion and cut through all the voices and the opinions around what is actually true. And we all need to hear the voice of God for our lives. And um, there was just this thing that happened the other day where God just spoke to me through a funny thing. And uh, I found the delight of cycling. I've just discovered the joy of cycling. And no, I'm not going to become that Lycra dude that just dresses up in Lycra and sips lattes. I'm not that kind of cyclist dude. But I found this mountain biking passion, which I love. Anyway, my 10-year-old daughter, some of you have got the image in your mind. I know it right now. But anyway, I'm taking my 10-year-old daughter on a bike ride. And um, from our house to where we were going to ride, it's about a 10-minute ride through some pretty busy traffic to get down to this Lake Edge waterfront ride, which is a beautiful ride. And um, you've got to navigate some busy roads, busy intersections, and a lot of traffic. And so I'm explaining to Savannah, my eldest daughter, as we're riding, what to do when you're riding in traffic. Make sure you keep to the side. When you come to an intersection, look both ways. Don't go until there's no cars. And we're having this conversation because as a parent, I'm like, I don't want you rushing out in front of traffic. And she said something that I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking through. She just said something out of the blue. She said, you know what? She said, don't worry, Daddy. I was just listening for your voice the whole time. I'm waiting for your voice to tell me when to go and when to stay. And I got thinking about that. She's like, what's wrong, Dad? I'm like, it's all right, Savannah. I'm just having a moment here because God's speaking to me through this moment right now. And we would all do better in life navigating some of these real challenges of life right now if we just stopped and we listened. If we truly took the time to just to listen, slow down, get on the mountain, be alone, listen to his voice through the word, listen to what he has to say. Even some of the conversations that are happening right now, maybe we might even be able to discern the heart of the Father speaking through others if we stopped and we listened. And so there's so much truth in that statement. But I want to come to the crux of what I want to say to you today. And it's in verse 8. So this happens. And verse 8 says, Suddenly when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. And as I studied that, and as I thought about this, that phrase, only Jesus, just like leapt off the page to me. Those two words, it was like God was just illuminating it to me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Because I think there's a tendency, particularly if you've been of faith for a long time and you're like me and you're involved in church and you're doing a lot of stuff, it can be really easy to fall into the trap of making it about everything other than Jesus. But the truth is that at the end of the day, everything else is peripheral to Jesus. The whole thing, online church, the reason we do all we do, the reason we love people and serve God, it's simply about two words, only Jesus. And I want to say to you today, particularly if you're watching online and maybe you've tuned in for the first time, Jesus is the only answer to life's biggest problems and life's biggest questions. You know, boy, our world is navigating some pretty serious issues right now and issues I don't have time to wade into right now and and issues that need to be handled with sensitivity and care and respect. There's so many good conversations happening. But to be honest, some of the problems in our world right now, not just in our nation, in so many nations, are complex and deep. And I want to say respectfully, respectfully, the issues of social justice and all the things that we see wrong, 
The answer is not political. The answer is not in us. The answer is not in legislative change. The answer is in Jesus and Jesus only. And you know, I'm not saying that we can't affect change in certain areas at a governmental level and a society level and all those areas. Of course, we can do good things. But if we think that we can solve spiritual problems with physical answers, we're kidding ourselves. Some of the biggest problems in our world right now have a spiritual root and only Jesus Christ is the answer. Only Jesus and the cross can bridge the gap between people. Only the cross is what brings healing to a person's heart and healing to a community and healing to a nation. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can heal. Only Jesus can transform. Only Jesus can fill the void in every human heart. And that's so important to remember right now as we come to a close. And so I want to ask you a question today. What about you? What about you? Have you come to the realization that Jesus is the only answer? Have you come to the realization that it's only Jesus that you have been searching for this entire time? All of the questions you've been asking about life, all of the searching, all of the wondering, all of the pondering, all of the staring at the stars, wondering this whole thing, all of the pain that you've accumulated in your life and you're trying to wonder what it's all about. I can't make sense of all that's happened. I want to say to you, only Jesus is the answer. He has the answers. Only he can fill the void in your heart. And I like what it says. It says here that they see only Jesus, but watch this, with them. They saw only Jesus with them. And I want to ask you today, can you see Jesus with you? Can, do you know that? Can you see that he's with you? Because once you see Jesus with you, you won't look to any other source for answers that are only found in Jesus. Once you realize he's with you, he's really all you ever needed anyway. And there's something that transforms us when we see that. But as we finish, and I, I, I've got about three, four minutes of sharing, and I, and I hope this blesses you. But I want you to see something, because as I thought about that, um, the text says that Elijah and Moses fade. They, they move and they, they go away, and it's only Jesus. And I got thinking about that, because I think the problem is people, and sometimes even Christians, when they look to Jesus, when they look to Christianity, they still see Moses standing there at the same time. They still see Moses. In other words, they still see religion. They still see rules. They still see commandments. They see all, these, all this stuff. They, they still see the law that condemns them rather than the grace that accepts them. But other people, they just see Elijah standing next to God. If you read Elijah, he was a pretty heavy dude. He pronounced some serious judgments. And some people, when they look at Jesus and they look at our faith, they, they just see the judgment of God. They just see God as an angry father in heaven, just trying to point out all of their weaknesses and all of their faults. And I want to say to you today, if that's you and you, when you look at Christianity and you're taking a look at this, God only wants you to see Jesus. He wants you to see past all the religion. He wants you to see past all the church stuff. He wants you to see past all of the hypocrisy of man. He wants you to see past all of it and only see Jesus, who's full of love for you, who's full of grace for you, who has a plan for you, who is good in every single way. And as I finish, I want to leave you with a challenge before I pray. And this is a challenge for, for Christians watching today, particularly followers of Jesus. And I'm speaking to myself in this moment, okay? Uh, because as I thought about that passage, it always intrigued me that Peter wanted to set up camp up there. I know why he would have. What a great spot to just to chill and, and relax around the transfigured Jesus up on the mountain. And 
I realize it's easy as Christians, particularly as followers of Jesus that have been doing this for a long time, it's very easy to stay camped around an experience on the mountain. It's very easy to stay up on the safety of the mountain and stay camped around an experience with God. And rather than go back down to the valley where people actually are, because Jesus, Jesus never wanted the disciples to stay up on the mountain. He actually wanted them to go back down to the valley. If you read the gospel accounts of this same story, in every single account of this story, you read it when you, when you get offline today. Every one of the accounts after this transfiguration account, the very first thing Jesus does is he heads down the mountain and he heals someone. He sets a young boy free who was tormented. He comes down from the mountain and straight away the next thing he does is he sets somebody free. Because the truth is, the mountaintop experiences, which I love. Look, as a pastor, it, I'm, my job is most of the time on the mountain, hearing from God, sitting with God, getting revelation, praying. But I'm not supposed to live on the mountain. I'm supposed to take what I get on the mountain and take it down to the valleys where the hurting are, where the broken are, where the lost are, and bring what we get on the mountain with God down into the valleys where people are. It'll be messy. <laughs> It'll get messy because people are messy. Sometimes it'll feel inconvenient. Sometimes you'll have to encounter and bring Jesus to people that challenge your socks off. But the point is that the mountaintop experiences, the times when we experience the love and the goodness and the grace of our God is pointless if it doesn't reach the valleys where village life and people are. And so I want to leave you with that thought today in a moment before I pray, particularly if you're a believer. Let's seek God on the mountain. Let's go up in prayer. Let's get revelation for what's going on. Let's listen to his voice. Let's get perspective, but let's not stay there. Let's go out into the villages and love people and care for people and bring this only Jesus message to the world because I know that's God's heart right now. And so I want you, if you're in your lounge room and you're watching and maybe you're watching through a phone or through a TV screen, however you're watching, I'm actually going to ask you to stand. If you feel comfortable, just to stand. And I want to pray for you right where you are. And I'm going to pray the words that my daughter prayed for me before I left. She prayed, she said, Daddy, I pray today that when people hear your message, they will experience God. And that's what I'm going to pray right now. For you in your lounge room, wherever you are, sitting in your car, watching on the phone screen, that you would experience the goodness of Jesus in your life. So Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your word that brings change, brings clarity, it brings revelation, brings encouragement, it brings life. And Lord, I pray for everybody watching and listening today, Lord, that they would see only you, Jesus. In this moment, they would have an only Jesus encounter that they would be able to see right now past religion, past the politics, past all of the stuff, and they would see Jesus Christ, the glorious one, the one who is above every problem, the one who cares, the one who knows every single detail about their lives. I pray in Jesus' name that they would experience you, your love and your grace. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for giving me your attention, and I pray you have the best day. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.